Matthew chapter 8 is where we are today, Matthew chapter 8. And uh, we're going to look at following Christ at all costs. When we talk about being a disciple or following Christ, we, uh, it's one of those things that kind of gets talked about a lot, not always explained a whole lot. And following Christ, it's not, um, it's simple, as simple as just obeying, but it's not easy. And I think that that might describe a lot of Scripture. Simple, but not easy. Um, it's not difficult to understand, but sometimes it's difficult to do. Why? Because when we're closest to Christ is when Satan attacks the hardest. Now, when we're closest to Christ, it's also when we're protected the most. Uh, why is it that way? Because when we're closest to Christ, we need the most protection. You know, you've heard it before. Satan doesn't care about you if you're uh, a, a wayward Christian. He's already got you where he wants you. Uh, he's not too concerned about you. He's not going to be attacking you because you're already in a place where he wants you to be. But as we draw closer to God and as we commit to follow God, Satan is, his, his attacks are going to ramp up. The Bible says that we are in a spiritual warfare. We can't avoid the battle. If you're a Christian, you're in a war. And you're not against uh, a war against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers of darkness. And so when we talk about following Christ, as wonderful as it is to follow Christ, you have to understand there is going to be a cost. There's going to be a price. If you look at just the disciples, the 12 apostles, you could say even 11 apostles if you take Judas out, you look at their lives and what it detailed and what it entailed while Christ was alive. It wasn't a plush life. Now, they got to see some incredible things. They got to do some incredible things. They got to be used in some incredible ways. But when you think about their life, it wasn't grand, right? Living on the road, traveling, uh, dirty, tired, weary. Then you look after Christ, uh, His resurrection and ascension back to heaven. Look at the apostles' life and see how that went. Traveling, uh, a lot of ridicule, a lot of hardship, and some brutal deaths along the way. And you look at all these things and you understand, if you read your Bible, you'll understand that following Christ, although it's what we're supposed to do, there is a large price to pay. And as I've told you and as you've heard and as you've learned for yourselves in the Bible, it's always worth it. Every cent, even though we're not talking about literal money, every cent uh, that we pay because we follow Christ is worth it. You will not come to the end of your earthly life and into eternity regretting following Jesus Christ. It won't happen. But we have to understand because sometimes, especially as Christians, we get into this mentality, well, I'm going to follow Christ. It's the right thing to do. It's the thing that people look at and go, hey, they're following Christ. Give you an applause, a pat on the back, and how wonderful it is. And as we do that, we just come to the realization that uh, it's hard. And I think sometimes as preachers, there are things that we uh, never sugarcoat, like hell. But I think sometimes because we're afraid to discourage people from following Christ, we sugarcoat how hard it is 
to actually be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to actually follow Him the way we're supposed to. Our theme is forward. And one of the areas that I want to see us go forward in is in our following of Jesus Christ and doing and, and being what God wants us to be, to being a true disciple of God. So let's look here in verse number 18. We finished the Sermon on the Mount at the end of chapter 7. We're going to do some recap in a minute of chapter 8 leading up to this point. But let's start in verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a great multitudes uh, about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Great, come on. No. He said, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. It's one of the more interesting interactions, I think, that Jesus had with people in his time on the earth. Two people who want to follow him. And two interesting responses to their request. We're going to pray and then we're going to look at following Christ at all costs. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray as we look at this passage of Scripture that we would learn from it. And God, I pray this would not be a discouraging sermon where people go, well, I don't want to follow him now. But Lord, I pray that it would be a, a strengthening sermon. Lord, a preparing sermon that will help us be more ready to follow you no matter what the cost would be. And God, I pray now that you would guide my words and my thoughts. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to present these verses clearly and correctly. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to see, first of all, this morning, the love needed for all. If we're going to follow Christ at all costs, we first of all need to understand that we need a love for all people. And here Christ is preaching. You remember in chapters 5, 6, and 7, he's preaching a sermon. And then after that, and again, we'll look back at this in just a moment, but after that, uh, there's a lot of great things that Christ did. And it says here in verse 18 that he came to the point where there was a great multitude. He looked out and he saw great multitudes, people everywhere. And he said to his disciples, he gave them a commandment to depart unto the other side, the other side of the water, the other side of the sea. We're getting ready to, uh, later on in this, this passage is when they come, there's a storm. And uh, they get scared, and they say, Master, cares thou not that we perish? And he gets up on the boat, and he says, uh, Peace be still, and the water's calm. That's what's ahead. hasn't happened yet. But that's what he's commanding now for his disciples. It's time for us to go. Now, if you've met any preachers in your life, other than me, and including me, most preachers, when they have a great multitude, uh, they're not going to want to leave. Right? This is opportunity. This is amazing. This is awesome. Uh, I had the privilege to preach in a church in Tennessee in a missions conference, uh, by far the largest crowd I've ever preached to. I don't know, would you say a 1,000 people there, maybe 1,500? I don't know. It was a big church. Um, and I'll tell you what, that's different than preaching. The church we pastored in Indiana, about this size of an auditorium, a little bigger, but um, a few more people, but, you know, 100 people, 120 people, whatever it may be. Uh, so you go from that to preaching to 1,000, 1,500 people, uh, that's different. There's a different energy about it. <laughs> Maybe there shouldn't be, but there was. And uh, nonetheless, uh, when, you, when a preacher has great, and it says great multitudes, right? It doesn't say great multitude. 
saw a great multitude. So that I envision people coming from every side, large groups of people. And Jesus said, we got to go. <laughs> Why? And please bear with me today because there is a little bit in this passage that's left to, um, maybe imagination is the wrong word. So today you're going to get a little, a little bit of my opinion, and you can fill in the blanks as well on your own as you want to. But here he says we need to go, uh, we need to depart to the other side. And the reason why is because Jesus never cared about great multitudes. That wasn't his focus. His focus was as many people as possible. He came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He came at this moment onto this earth as Jesus Christ, God in flesh, for the purpose of reaching as many people as possible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's not that God so loved Israel. It's not that God so loved this group of people, this race, this ethnicity, uh, this region. No, God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus was not one that was so caught up in numbers. It would be hard-pressed to find a preacher today who would walk away from great multitudes. But I believe, and again, this part is my opinion, I believe that Jesus knew there were people on the other side. And his job was not just these people. He taught these people. He had preached to these people. These people had witnessed miracles. It was time for him to go on to the next people, to the next person. It was time to teach his disciples some lessons, by the way. They were getting ready to learn a pretty valuable lesson about faith. Uh, so he's, Jesus was not single-minded. He looked and said there was a need for other people. Why? Because he so loved the world. And if we're going to be a follower of Christ, we too have to love the world. Not the things of the world, but the people in the world. And so if we're going to follow Christ, we need to understand there is a need to love all. Not just big crowds, not just one community, but to understand that there are more people waiting. There are more people in need to hear God's Word preached. There are more people in need to have God's Word in their hand. We can't go, obviously, we've talked about this a lot. We can't go just ourselves. We send people. We help people. Um, we support people to help us do these things. That's part of loving the world. That's part of loving the people in the world, loving our neighbors, is understanding that we've got to go to the other side. What are you going to do to reach other people? I believe, again, and this is, pardon me for ranting a little bit today, I've been in church my whole life, and I've always heard the importance of coming out and going soul winning, and I am 100% for soul winning. Coming out, and they say, come out on Thursday, come out on Saturday, we're going to go knock doors and, and share the gospel with people, it's good. And maybe I wasn't paying attention, maybe I was sleeping, I don't know. I've heard it mentioned, but I've never heard it emphasized 
the people that are in your life every single day. And we become a, a religion that focuses on doing Christian duty instead of fulfilling God's command. We want to check off a box. All right, I went out on Thursday. And I went out for an hour, knocked on some doors, and had strangers tell me, I don't want you here, and passed out some tracks, and it's all good. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against it. I just think there's a better way. And every single day we have an opportunity with the people around us, our coworkers, our family members, um, our friends. In today's day and age of technology, just because someone lives in another state doesn't mean that we can't get a hold of them and share the gospel with them. We have so much opportunity today to reach those people, but as we do that, we also have to remember there's more people on the other side. And we've got to take some time to depart and go to the other side. We've got to take some time to make sure that we are sending missionaries. We have to make sure that we're taking time uh, to help and support people who are going to places that we cannot go or that we are not going and so that they can share the gospel with them. We've got to take the time to help get the Bible translated into every language so that people who don't have any scripture at all can have some scripture in their hands. It's important and it's crucial that the problem is, is we don't have a compassion. Might be a better word than love. We don't have the compassion for the people on the other side. We don't have the, the love that says, you know, we've got these people here and we're sharing the gospel with them here. We're passing out literature and we're posting things on social media and we're talking to them and we're doing all these things. But what about everybody else? It doesn't mean ignore the people here. You want to get the gospel to them, that's what God's called you to do, but God's also called you to reach the world. And it starts with having a love. It starts with having a love for God. And from there, it trickles down a love for people. The first commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind. The second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love God, there's a better chance of you loving your neighbor. If you don't love God properly, you're probably not going to love your neighbor. You see the importance here of loving all. Christ had opportunity, and he had spent time preaching and doing miracles. And he says to the disciples, as there were great multitudes, it says he looked and he saw great multitudes. And then he says, hey, guys, let's pack up the boat. It's time to go to the other side. There's more people waiting. Number two, number one, a love needed for all. Number two, a dedication needed for service. A dedication needed for service. We see here in verse 19, it says, A man comes, certain scribe. He came and he said unto Christ, Master, he doesn't say, can I? He says, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. This is a man who saw who Christ was. And he said, I want to be there. And he proves right off the bat he had dedication. I will follow thee, whithersoever thou goest. What do you think brought the man to this? I think uh, a lot of it comes with what we read in chapter 8. Look at verse number 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. A man with leprosy healed. 
Look at verse 13. And Jesus said unto us, the centurion, go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it uh, unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. A man comes in verse number five uh, and uh, says, in verse six, he says, my servant's at home, he's sick of the palsy. And he asked Christ to heal him. And Christ said, I'll come. And he says, you don't need to come. He said, I just need you to say the words. I'm paraphrasing, you can read it later. But he says, I just need you to say the words. Because I know that'll work. And so Christ says, because of your faith, because you've believed, so be it done. And it says that his servant was healed. And this scribe was here watching this interaction. Verse 15, uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. It says, and he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. Peter's mother-in-law was deathly ill and Christ came and he healed her. I believe this scribe saw this, knew of this. Verse 16, when the even was come, they brought him un, uh, unto him, they brought, excuse me, they brought unto him many that were possessed with the devils and he cast out the spirits uh, with his word and healed all that were sick. And I believe the scribe was there and he saw all this. And the scribe's sitting there doing what I think many people, many more people should have done. And he comes up to Christ and he says, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. He saw enough. It's interesting that the, the miracles that Christ did did not convince enough people. It did not convince as many people as you would think that Christ was God. We know that because of the crucifixion story. The people chanting, crucify him, crucify him. We're the same people that watched him do miracles. Yet this man, he had dedication. Sometimes, though, our emotions can drive us to um, maybe not a false commitment, but a weak commitment. Uh, our emotions, we see something, we hear something, and it motivates us. It's, we have good motives, but the commitment might be a little hasty. We're not ready to pay what it costs to follow Christ. I grew up at camp, and when you're at camp, um, you're away from all the distraction of life. Teenagers and kids, they get away from parents. They get away from certain friends. Nowadays, they get away from technology. And they're isolated in an in a atmosphere that is godly. And the focus is solely on God. In one week of camp, a teenager goes through two weeks worth of preaching in a revival service. Fifteen messages, I believe it is. Maybe more than that. I don't remember. I should have counted before I preached. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of messages. Three messages a day for five days. That's 15 sermons. Yeah. Uh, that's two weeks worth of revival meetings. Some of the kids are going, yeah, that's not fun. Young kids, elementary age kids that go to camp. And their services are a little different during the day but uh, they still go through Bible teaching several times in a week. And the focus and the emphasis is on uh, learning about God and knowing God, following God. And a lot of times a kid will make a decision at camp, I'm going to follow God. And then they come home, and they've got their technology back, and they've got their friends back, and they've got their routine back. Sometimes within a week, sometimes within a month, sometimes within a couple months, 
that commitment that they made is no longer there. And the reality is the same is true with adults. We'll read our Bible or we'll sit in a service and God will speak to our heart, say, you need to change this. We'll hear a missionary speak and we'll think, boy, I can do more. I can reach more people. I need to share the gospel more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to do whatever. But then within a week or a couple weeks or a month or a couple months, that commitment has kind of disappeared. Our emotions can lead us to a, a weak commitment. And so Christ here, his response is interesting. He says, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. It's a way of saying this is not easy. This is the first time I believe in the New Testament that the term Son of Man is used. It's used many more times. It's used in the Old Testament as well, but it's used many more times in the New Testament. But here we see uh, this referral. It's a, it's a humble referral of who he is. But he says here to this, this scribe who says, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to go wherever you go. And Christ says to him, the foxes, they've got a place to sleep. They've got a home. The birds, they have a home. Me, I don't. Following me is not going to be easy. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us if the scribe ended up following Jesus. But what we do see out of this is that in order for us to follow Jesus, we have to have a dedication for service, a strong dedication. We cannot allow our emotions to lead us to it. We have to uh, have a commitment, a true surrender to follow him. Again, I don't say this to discourage you and following Christ, I'm just going to make sure that we understand it's not easy. I don't like using myself as the example because I'm in no way perfect. But over the last seven years, I could spend hours telling you how hard it's been. How many times I cannot count that I prayed and said, God, are you sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are you sure there's not a church out there that's running a few hundred that needs a pastor? That has a large staff to handle all the insane people and uh, let me just do the easy work? Are you sure? You see, we don't have insane people, so that's good. Um, moving on. Uh, following Jesus, it's just not a picnic. The end result's great. The provision along the way is phenomenal. Again, you look at the disciples, they followed Jesus, and they had hardships, and they had trials, and they had all these things, but think about what they saw. Think about how God used them. Think about the opportunities they had. As a kid, I got to travel. My family, we traveled about four months out of the year. I had a fifth-wheel trailer, and we traveled with an evangelist, and we'd go all over the country. And as a young kid, I got to see some incredible things across our country. Some of the great landmarks, some of the, uh, the great sites, uh, the big old 72-ounce steak in Amarillo, the uh, Grand Canyon, uh, Las Vegas, uh, uh, Michigan, uh, yeah, uh, 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 different places along the way. Got to meet thousands of people. To this day, I have friends all over the country as a result 
of my upbringing. But there were weeks at the end of the month where we were eating the the really cheap food, <laughs> whatever we could scrounge up. It's not easy. Now, not everybody that follows Christ is poor. Not everybody that follows Christ uh, goes through, um, uh, well, I was going to say they don't always go through ridiculous trials, but they do. The Bible tells us we're going to. It tells us in John uh, 16.33, in the world you will have tribulations and trials. I'll look it up and give you the exact words. I should... This is one that I've memorized at one point, but don't have it memorized anymore. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You see, in following Christ, we are going to have tribulations. We are going to have trials, and so we must be dedicated that no matter what comes. This man said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, that's not going to be easy. I know literally hundreds of people at one time in their life prayed to God, I will do whatever you want me to do. And they didn't follow through with it. I've been guilty of it. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Okay, I want you to do this. Uh, I'm busy. Before I was a pastor, God will do whatever you want me to do. Okay, I want you to get up and go to church on Sunday. Man, it was a really rough weekend. I'm really tired. I want you to go to church on Wednesday. Well, today at work, you know, I had to deal with people. I can't deal with people anymore. God says, we'll point you to a verse in Scripture. And Jesus is nailed to a cross. And he had to deal with people. Go to church. Oh, but God, you don't understand. <laughs> Just go. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but please don't ask me to do this. You know, everybody will tell you, every missionary will tell you, if you say, God, I'll go anywhere but here, that's where you're getting called to, so don't ever say that. Um, to follow Christ, it takes a dedication that cannot be weak. You have to understand it's not going to be easy so that when you commit to it, you understand that, hey, I'm committing to something that's going to take work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time. I think as Christians, time is the one thing that we, for whatever reason, feel is more important than God. Well, I need time for this and time for that. <laughs> if we can't even give God our time, we're not going to do much for Him. We're like, well, and it's convenient. It's not what we say, but it's what we mean. When it's convenient, I'll follow Christ. It takes a dedication, a dedication for service. A love needed for all, a dedication needed for service, and lastly this morning, following Christ at all costs will take a sacrifice needed to follow. Verse 21 and 22, the Bible says, Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, 
suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. It sounds like a logical request, doesn't it? Christ, I'm going to come with you, uh, but if you wouldn't mind, I, my, my dad died, I need to go to his funeral. And he says, no, you come with me and let the dead bury their dead. Now, I've read different things on this. Some people say, well, uh, because of the weather there, they bury them the same day that they passed away, and this guy was just making excuses. I don't know if that's true or not. And God basically called his bluff a little bit, but uh, uh, I, I don't know if that's true. I thought that was an interesting take, but... Nonetheless, to fully follow Christ, we need to understand that Christ must be our priority. Nothing else comes before him. And when you look at things like this, and you look at the passage that says um, that you should hate your father and mother, uh, you, again, you need to know the context and, and understand it. But uh, we look at it and go, boy, that's really rough. That's really harsh. God says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to give up this and give up that and, and give up family. It's not that you... For, uh, forget your family or shun your family, it's that you make Christ your priority, that God comes first in all things. In verse 21, there are two words that I've highlighted in my Bible that come one right after the other, me first. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. The reality is, is that it has to be God first. When a soldier who serves his country is deployed, what's his focus? It's his country. It's who he's serving. You've got wives at home getting ready to have children. Do they get to leave wherever they're deployed to and come back? In most cases, no. Why? Because they're serving their country. That's their priority. When we're serving God, He's our priority. Now listen, read the Bible, you'll learn your family is your first ministry. Never, and the Bible never teaches us to ignore family. It just says make God first. And then you can be to your family what you're supposed to be. As a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother, as a brother, as a sister, as a child, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a cousin, as a whatever. If God is first in your life, you will then be to your family what you're supposed to be. But if God is not first, you're not going to succeed in the other areas either. Romans 12.1 says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice. It is a, uh, a daily death that we must have to ourselves, to our own desires, to our, our selfish ways. And we go to God every day and we say, God, today I'm sacrificing myself for you. To do what you want me to do, to be what you want me to be. That's the sacrifice. I'm giving up of my own desires, Lord, to fulfill yours. And there are many people who don't want to do that. They'll say, God, I'll give up this and I'll give up that, but I really want to hold on to this. For the person who grows up in a Christian home, grows up in church, for whatever reason, 
it seems like godly, uh, excuse me, worldly music is the hardest thing to give up. I don't know why that is. That's just what I've seen. It's, again, just my opinion. And I look at some of the people who've been saved later in life, and I see the areas that they struggle with, and I think, boy, it should have been a lot easier for me to give up some things than it was. I should have been much more willing to give up some of the things that, that were keeping me from growing the way God wanted me to grow. But daily we present ourselves to God a living sacrifice. Paul in Galatians 2, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, my flesh, my self, my desires, they were crucified with Christ. And today I live not by my own self and not by my own desires, but in God's desires and what God wants for me. You look at Paul's life, my goodness, what a life. He had some great authority and he used it to persecute Christians. Now he thought he was doing right. As wicked as he was, he thought, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Throwing people in, Christ, uh, in prison, beating them. He was there for the deaths of Christians. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. Many people assume that Christians were put to death under Paul, then Saul's authority. Then uh, he gets saved. Christ meets him on the road to Damascus, changes his life. The church doesn't accept him right away. They're like, uh, this guy is not a good guy. But God told certain people, hey, Paul's with us. You tell everybody else. Next thing you know, Paul is traveling around preaching. Paul lived a wicked life before he was saved. For the record, so did we, no matter what your background is. And Paul comes to the point in his life where he says, I've sacrificed everything, including my desires, including my own priorities, including my own way. And he says, I'm crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live, but not I, but Christ liveth in me. I am now doing everything that God wants me to do. This morning in Sunday school, I mentioned Adrian Rogers, a preacher I like to listen to. He tells the story of a church that came to him and asked him and said, we were without a pastor. Would you have anybody you could recommend to our church that could be our pastor? And he said to the man, I have the perfect guy for you. And they go, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, now he's got a little bit of a history. He's a murderer. <laughs> he's violent. Um, he had some temper issues. But he'd be a great pastor. And of course the man goes, what? what are you talking about? And his point was, he was talking about Paul, and his point was is, you know, we look at people in a certain way, a certain light, and we write people off because of their past. But Paul is one of the best examples we have in Scripture of someone who followed Christ, fully, surrendered, committed, 
And he sacrificed everything. He sacrificed his authority on this earth. He was given greater authority by God. But he sacrificed his authority, his position. He sacrificed his lifestyle. He sacrificed his um, comfort. For what? To follow Christ. We get so concerned with holding on to what we've earned that we don't fully commit to following Christ. You see, following Christ comes with a cost, and it's expensive. The hardest thing that we have to give up is ourselves. No longer living for me, but living for Him. And I will tell you, I said it already, but I'll say it again, it's worth everything. I know people who say, I wouldn't change anything for the world. I would. I don't know about you, but I would. If I could go back and make some different decisions and, and uh, uh, have things turn out a little differently, sure, sure, I would do that. But I can tell you it's worth it still. Every time that I followed God and did what He's told me to do, it's been worth it. And every time that I followed myself, it's not worth it. Following Christ at all costs, we need to know there's a love needed for all. And there's a dedication needed for service. It has to be a true dedication, not a weak one, not an emotional one. But a calculated dedication. God, I know it's not going to be easy. I have no idea what's going to come. But I'm going to follow you wherever you go and wherever you lead me. And there's a sacrifice needed to follow. to give up things in your own life, to follow Him. And again, I, <laughs> we look at it and we go, boy, that just doesn't sound fun. <laughs> that doesn't sound enjoyable. That doesn't sound relaxing. That doesn't sound pleasurable. I promise it is. And like I said in Sunday school this morning, for those that were here to hear it, I'll say it again for those that weren't. When we obey God, until you experience it for yourself, you won't know how good it is. You'll hear other people say, yeah, it was worth it. There are missionary story after missionary story after missionary story of people who said, God, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. And God said, I want you to go here. And they went there and they were killed. Before a single person got saved, killed. And we can look at the outside going in and we can say, boy, that wasn't worth it. But I guarantee you it was. I know stories of missionaries who've gone and followed God where God wanted them to go and they got there and their wife died. Some disease that they picked up once they got into the foreign country. And we could go, boy, if they would have just stayed home, that wouldn't have happened. I guarantee it was worth it. I know it sounds hard. I know it doesn't sound fun, but it's worth it. And I promise, until you experience it for yourself, you won't understand just how good it is to follow Christ. Following Christ at all costs, a love needed for all, 
dedication needed for service, a sacrifice needed to follow. Are you willing to pay the cost to follow Jesus? Until you do, you won't realize how good it is. Lord, help us. We know we're supposed to follow you. We know that you call us to follow you. We know that your desire is for us to follow you. But Lord, you make uh, no secret of the fact that it's not easy. So God, I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you would forgive us of our pride and our selfishness. God, forgive us of our uh, unwillingness to give up our time for ourselves because our desire is still to fulfill our own satisfactions. And God, I pray that you would help us to understand, even though it is at great cost, the benefit and the reward and the blessing of following you. And God, I pray that you'd help us today, that as you lead, as you speak to us, as you convict us, God, that we will be what you want us to be. And God, that we will follow you. Help us to have a love for other people. Help us to have a dedication to serve you. And Lord, let us be willing to sacrifice what is needed so that we can follow. I pray in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand with me, please, if you're able?